podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. It's Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Save up to $500 on our best brands when you get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base when you spend $699. Or save up to $500 on Tempur-Pedic adjustable mattress sets. Shop America's best brands confidently with our low price guarantee. Hurry into Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Not at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. For Liverpool fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Liverpool videos and podcasts. Download the COP app for free now on the App Store and Google Play. Everybody and welcome to the Cop Table podcast. Where today we are previewing the Liverpool versus West Ham game this coming the evening at Anfield. Joining myself once again is Jay Riley. You can get Jay on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show at the Cop HQ on Twitter and with us on the Cop Table. So, how are you, Jay? Yeah, I've been um, disappointed with the performance in midweek and the results. I mean, we're not used to losing games, are we? So it was a little bit of a shock to the system. But, you know, like normal, when Liverpool have a break, whether it be the international break or this mid-season break now, you know, Liverpool do tend to be a little bit rusty and disjointed. And that's exactly what's happened these last two games. So obviously we're going to touch on a little bit more in the podcast as we go on. But, we need to redeem ourselves now on Monday night against West Ham. Yeah, and first of all, we're going to take a, a look back at our, our previous Premier League fixture, which was against Norwich. We've come away with a with a one 0 victory with a with the latest goal from from Sadio Mane. Um, but like you say, after after the break that we've had, the team has has not gelled. Um, they've not looked as as fluid as they in previous games. So just give us your thoughts on the. The performance against uh, Norwich first of all please Jay well going into the game against Norwich I mean we all know what they're about I mean the bottom of the table are obviously going down but they're not as bad as the position suggests really because they're the type of team that'll have a game of football with you and they've got some good players and they've, they've given a good account of themselves in the Premier League this season even though as I say the bottom of the table and they are getting relegated they've been a little bit hard done by because they've tried to play football the right way, shall we say. Um, I liken them a little bit to like a Bournemouth, the method that Bournemouth used where the first couple of seasons they played football with, yeah, they were easy on the eye. Obviously, they managed to stay in the Premier League and then they started signing players. Thankfully, they signed a lot of Liverpool players that weren't really that good and 
we we done well out of them in the transfer market, but you know, they're struggling this season and they may well go down this year, Bournemouth. But they've had a decent little stay in the Premier League. It's around about five or six years now, isn't it, that they've been in, in the top flight and you know, unfortunately for Norwich, they just haven't been able to manage it the way Bournemouth did do because, you know, like I say, they're like a smallish club, aren't they? And they haven't really made many signings and they've stick to the tried and trusted methods, haven't they? Of like what got them promoted under Daniel Farker and it just doesn't really work for them. But I did expect it to be a tough game against them and, you know, so it proved really because in the first half in particular, Liverpool were really poor and we struggled to break them down, didn't we? And never really looked like scoring and, you know, even in the second half, we got a little bit more momentum going and we were obviously the better team, weren't we? But, you know, it did take the introduction of Sadio Mane to, for Liverpool to get the winning goal. And, you know, people were talking about the fact that, you know, could really have been disallowed for VAR. And it would have been very harsh if the goal would have been disallowed because, you know, you see, it, it, it was a nothing incident really. But it, it wouldn't have surprised me on the other hand if it would have been disallowed because... He actually does push off on the defender, doesn't he? And the defender makes a little bit of a meal of it. And because he's done that and he goes to ground, obviously he was a fantastic turn and control, touch and finish by Mane. But you did get that little sense of, are we going to get this ruled out here? And, you know, be frustrating really. And luckily enough and thankfully, Liverpool did get the goal given to us like it was granted on the VAR. But, you know, it's just, this is what's spoiling the game, isn't it? I mean, I'm all for getting the right decisions, but it's it's just the uncertainty of it all because that could happen again this weekend and, and you could get blown up for a foul or they'll go to VAR and obviously the decision might go against us or go for us or whatever, do you know what I mean? It's, it's so infuriating. It's like, I also looked at the game um, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge against Manchester United on Monday night and you know, Harry Maguire's on the ground and he, he kicks out, doesn't he, really, at Batshuayi. And, you know, I don't think there was major yeah. malice in it because he's not really that type of player, is he, really, t- to be honest. But the fact of the matter is he made contact with, with Batshuayi and there was a precedent set a couple of months back when uh, I think it was Chelsea away from home against Tottenham and Son done the same thing, didn't he, to Rudiger and it went to VAR and he got sent off. So this is where it, it, it's, it's all the uncertainty is and you know, there's no consistency there because realistically speaking, Harry Maguire should really have been sent off because it's a very similar incident to what happened with Son and he got away with it. And this is what I'm saying about the VAR incidents altogether. I mean, it wouldn't have surprised me if the goal got ruled out against Norwich, but thankfully it never. And, you know, Liverpool managed to, to end up getting the three points, another vital three points on the match of the title. But, you know, as I say, it was after a, a break, a mid-season break, and Liverpool had, you know, virtually all the players back from injury and all of them to call upon. They had a very strong bench on, on the weekend's game against Norwich. And as I say, the performance level was very disjointed, very rusty, never really got going, did we? And second half, we did have quite a few chances. And of course, we did deserve to win the game. But, you know, it wasn't the normal Liverpool, a fluid Liverpool, as you said before, that we used to seeing. And you know, the momentum and cohesion, that's the thing with Liverpool, we're, we're far more suited, better suited to playing like a game every three or four days, but it's just crazy to think you've got your rhythm, you've got your momentum going I, I do see Klopp's point though about the breaks though, because I think what it is, it's the longevity of the season, I mean yeah, okay, the last two performances we'll touch on Atletico Madrid in a minute, but 
the two performances since the break have been poor. Um, but I think it's the longevity of it, isn't it? Moving forward in the weeks to come and months ahead, that's where you know the men- mentality of us are, and obviously like it's mental fatigue as well as physical, isn't it? I think it'll kick into play then, and it'll see us through to the end of the season. But you know, like I say, it's it's always infuriating these breaks because we it just we just lose our momentum a little bit, and you know, like I say, just thankfully against Norwich in in, in the Premier League, which is what it's all about this season to win the, to win the Premier League. Thankfully, we still managed to get the three points, and you know, of course, for me, you know, should really have made it two 0 shouldn't he? Soon after balling by Trent Alexander Arnold, it was a little bit overhit, but for me, you know, should still should be scoring that because it did come at him quite quick, but it was an open net, and he he got a touch on it, and he should really have been scoring, but it was a poor miss, but it didn't really matter in the end because you know, Liverpool ended up winning the game one 0 and another three points on this match of the Premier League title. Yeah, like you say, um, another good three points and important victory once again, just to keep um, just to keep that gap to what it is, and uh, we don't want any, any sort of uh, movement towards us, do we? So yeah, fa- fantastic three points. But then we moved on to Atletico Madrid in midweek, didn't we, Jay? And um, very difficult game to sum up, in my opinion. I thought uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of I don't know the dark arts from. Atletico Madrid if you like and the referee was very very poor in my opinion and they sat back didn't they and they just once they got the goal 10 men behind the ball not interested at all in attacking just 100% concentrated on their defence um, but we've got to the second leg to come but just give us your thoughts on, on that frustrating night in um, Madrid on, on Tuesday please Jay well it sort of panned out to similar to what I, I envisaged it was going to be when the draw was made in December time. And I just think sometimes our fans get a little bit carried away, a little bit giddy with things, and they totally underestimate certain opposition and sort of like think Liverpool are this superhuman team, which at times this season, yeah, in the Premier League, we've proved to be the case because to win 25 out of 26 games is absolutely incredible. It's virtually immaculate, isn't it, apart from the draw that we had against Manchester United back in October time. Um, But in Europe, Liverpool have been a little bit dodgy the last couple of years in terms, especially away from home. You know, we haven't been great. If you look back to last season, Liverpool lost every single game in the group stages, didn't they? Um, we obviously improved upon that when we got to the knockout stages, but you know, Liverpool's away form in Europe is not really great the last couple of years. And to get into Atletico Madrid was, to me, was the toughest draw Liverpool could have got. Because the reason why I thought it at the time and the reason why I said it is because the way they are, it's all you know it's going to be an intense game, an intense two legged tie. The way Simeone has them well drilled, the way he sets his team up, it's as though he feeds them on raw meat leading up to games, big important games. Um, and people were underestimating them because they've sold star men like Griezmann. Like obviously Griezmann went to Barcelona and saying they're not the team that they once were. If you look at the league table, you know they're not doing too great in the league. And I think they were fifth at the time of the draw. Now they've moved up to fourth place. But when you look at their season and you scrutinise um, some of their performances and some of the stats that they've got, 
they've actually only lost about four games in La Liga this season, so they haven't lost a great deal of games of football, have they? And they've also hardly conceded any goals either. I think around about 20 goals or something, or even less this season. And when you factor in Liverpool have conceded 15 in the Premier League and everyone's raving about how good Liverpool's defence is, they've only conceded a couple more, to be honest. I think it is in La Liga. So, you know, testament to how well Simeone has them set up. And yeah, they may well have lost a couple of key players, but you know they're still very solid defensively, a difficult team to break down. And as I say, in my opinion, it was the worst possible draw we could have got because they're the type of team where they make it physical. It's very intense when you play them. Um, and, and the worst possible thing and the worst possible star for Liverpool the other night in the Wanda Metropolitano was going a goal behind early on because it set the tone it gave them something to cling on to something for them to fight for to defend with you know for the lives with and it was perfect for them they're arguably the best defensive team probably in, you know in, in world football to, at this moment in time and they have been for a number of years in my opinion and it is all down to the way Simeone coaches them because they're not easy on the eye they're not a good team to watch they're, they're a horrible team to play against and they're a little bit like the Spanish equivalent of Napoli, really. Napoli, we played them four times in the last two seasons and they've had a little bit of an Indian sign over us. I mean, we beat them last season, one at Anfield, but you know, we lost twice in, in Naples and lost and, and drew the game at Anfield this season, sorry. So we didn't have a really good record against Napoli and they're sort of like the Spanish equivalent with uh, even better defence. And, you know, so it proved because Liverpool really did struggle to break them down. I mean, it's... I can never, I cannot remember the last time Liverpool in a game of football didn't have a shot on, register a shot on target in a game. I can't remember it under in, under Klopp ever. Um, I think we had what twelve shots or something like that on the night all off target, mm. and, and we had a couple of good opportunities. Of course we did because Liverpool always do. I mean, Mo Salah was very frustrating. He's a bit of an enigma, isn't he? I mean, we all know he's 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 a, he's a superstar. He's he's a world class footballer, and yeah. you know, in his first season, he scored forty odd goals for us. Didn't he? Was it forty two or forty three? Um, he, he he tailed off a little bit last season. You know, had a bit of a dip this season. He's had another little bit of a dip. Um, but you know, in in the main, he's he's a fantastic player. But he can be very frustrating, and he does miss a lot of chances and. The one in the first half, I mean, when the goalkeeper was a poor, poor clearance and it went to Sal, it was just a terrible touch. And what was he doing passing it to Firmino? He was obviously in an offside position. And, mm. and really, we should have scored from it, should have been an equaliser. And then he had another chance second half, didn't he, where you know, he was free in the box. And, you know, I know he's not great in the air, but you know, he's not great heading the ball. But, you know, he, he should have done far better than what he did. So we did have a couple of chances, like guilt edge chances, really. And, you know, as as I say, frustratingly, Mo Salah missed them on another day. You know, he scores one or two of them, and Liverpool win the game or get a get a draw at least to take back to Anfield. But yeah, there was, you know, there was another one where the defenders headed it over as well, wasn't there, Jay? There was, and it was it was looked like it was going right in that top corner, but that defenders just just flicked it over the bar. Yeah, as I say, it it, it was a frustrating evening, wasn't it? And, I mean, I don't think Liverpool really... We control the game possession-wise, but that that's... Everyone knew what we were going to do. Everyone knew Liverpool were going to see more of the ball against that. Let's come with it. It was whether or not we could break them down, and, and we, we simply couldn't. And, you know, here we are now, 
hoping for yet another massive, you know, European night at Anfield and no no one's saying we can't do it. But the problem we've got is this is probably the best defensive team in European, if not world football. And the, the issue we've got is if they get an away goal at Anfield, then we're going to need three. And people are saying, well, we beat Barcelona. They beat us 3-0 in the new camp. We come back and beat them 4-0. No problem. That lets go with it. They're not, they're not as good. May not be as good as Barcelona, but they're certainly a better defensive team. Barcelona defensively are very fragile, as it proved in the game against Liverpool at Anfield, because we've seen it the year before when, when they conceded a lot of goals against Roma and they conceded a lot of goals against Paris Saint Germain as well last season, so and the season before, sorry. So, you know, this Barcelona team, although they're, they're blessed with the likes of Lionel Messi and Luis Suarez and what have you, they're fragile defensively, so they can be got at. And so it proved Liverpool put four past them last year. Let's come with Zidane are fragile defensively, they're solid defensively. So, as I say, I liken them to a little bit like the Spanish Napoli. So, it's making no mistake, this is going to be a really difficult tie now to get through because, you know, there's nothing to say Liverpool won't win 2 0 at Anfield, but if they score, Liverpool need three. So, you know, it, 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 is, it is a little bit of a concern and it's not ideal, but. You know, it is what it is. And, and like I say, I just think some of them Liverpool fans who basically thought we were through and it was done and dusted when we got Atletico and they're not the team they were, they look a little bit silly now because they totally underestimated what, what this Atletico Madrid side were capable of doing. And, and to be yeah. honest, it came as no surprise to me whatsoever what happened there the other night in Europe because... Although I didn't think we lose the game, my my actual prediction going into the game was a one-one draw, and I seen all kinds of predictions: two 0 Liverpool, three 0 Liverpool, three one Liverpool, and I just, I, 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 you know, I knew it wasn't going to be the case because they're no mugs. Them certainly not with the manager that they've got, Simeone. He knows the time of day and tactically spot on, and he has done very well drilled, as I've said. So, you know, it was a disappointing evening. And, of course, now we're hoping for a big European night at Anfield again. We've done it numerous times in the past. There's no reason why we can't do it again. But I think this is a very difficult game now. And, like I say, who knows what's going to happen. But here's hoping we can get through. But we've got a job on now, mate. Most definitely. And just um, just my own observations from that game. I thought uh, Atletico Madrid, when, when they didn't have the ball, they, they played very narrow. Um, had bodies all all over the middle of the pitch, and Trent and and Andy Robertson had a lot of space on on the, them them sides of the pitch. Trent didn't have his best game um, by any stretch, and there was a, there was a lot of balls he put into the box that were either over hit or went over the bar, cleared by the defender. Thought Robertson done much better on the left hand side, but I just think in that second leg, I think this is this is the area where Liverpool are going to be concentrating on trying to get something from um, from the game because like like I said they played very very narrow bodies all over the pitch and I think the wide areas this is going to be very important in the second leg and hopefully um, Trent and Andy Robertson can provide some uh, ammunition for them them front players but another thing coming from that game Jay is uh, Jordan Henderson went off with a with a hamstring injury he's he's at the scan today it seems and I think news coming from the club was that he's going to look between two, three, maybe four weeks out injured with this hamstring strain. So, um, what sort of a miss is he going to be in that uh, in that midfield area for us, please, Jay? Well, if you go back to 
the end of November when Fabinho went off injured against Napoli. We were all devastated, weren't we? Thinking, oh my God, we've got this massive fixture pile up now in December. We were going to the World Club Championship in like Qatar and we've got all these extra games and the games are coming thick and fast. A game every three days on average. And it just didn't really, we didn't miss them one little bit because we, we won every single game, didn't we? We were fantastic after that Napoli draw. At the end of November in the Champions League, we were great. We won every single game after that. I think it was like 10 on the spin or something. And, you know, it's it's one of them. Jordan Henderson was key to, to that because he stepped up unbelievably well. I mean, I liked Jordan Henderson. I've always liked him. I think he's a fantastic professional and he, he's, he's coming for a lot of unfair criticism, shall we say, from some of our own supporters even about that he's not good enough to be captain and you know, he should only be a squad player. And to be honest, I've thought myself, it's weird that he's captain because normally a captain is an inspirational figure, like the way Gerrard was, or he's your best player, which Steven Gerrard was as well. But sometimes he can be your best player as well. And and the thing with Jordan Henderson, he's neither of them, is he? Do you know what I mean? He's nowhere close. But I tell you what, he, I mean, these last three months, two or three months, he's been absolutely sensational. And, I didn't think he had the capabilities to be as good as what he has been. He's been fantastic. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not having all this stuff about him being favourite for Player of the Year because if you're Player of the Year, you have to have done it right the way from August, right the way through to now. And in my opinion, he only really started performing to the levels required in around November time. I think before that, he was quite disappointing in quite a lot of games, if you if you see where I'm coming from. Um, he wasn't always picked in games. I think if memory serves me right, he didn't even get selected to start at home against Leicester when we beat Leicester in October time. So, I, personally, I don't. Th- I think he struggled the first part of the season. I don't think he was great. I remember he was very poor in the Champions League away at Napoli, very poor at Sheffield United in, in October time as well. Um, or that might have been the end of September. But I don't think he had a good start to the season, Henderson. But I tell you what, the last three months he's not half stepped up, and it's like a different player. He looks incredible. So because of that reason, he is going to be a, a a big miss. But Liverpool have got strength in depth in the middle of the park for me. I mean, now Fabinho's back, that's a big boost for us. And with Henderson being out the team, all it means now is it gives another opportunity for hopefully if he can stay fit and have Bikita to be more involved in games. Or, you know, obviously Oxlade-Chamberlain's done quite well recently. He started quite a lot of games this year, hasn't he, in 2020, and he's scored a few goals as well. Um, obviously, we've also got Gini Wijnaldum, and as I've just touched on there, you know, obviously Fabinho is back from his long-term injury, and, and James Milner's also back from injury now. So, I don't think it's... It's not the end of the world... Because the way I felt when Fabinho got injured, it felt bad, and it did. It wasn't bad because we, we we dealt with it fine, totally fine. With Henderson, it doesn't feel like it'll be as bad, if you know what I mean. Um, there is a potential though that he might miss probably four or five games, though he might not return now until maybe the Merseyside derby at Goodison. So, from that aspect, yeah. it does mean it does put the owner because he's he's been in great form and probably the form of his life really other than when you go back to 2014. I mean, early won the league when he was vitally important then and he got sent off against Man City 
and that affected just then the knock-on effect where he wasn't available for the game against Chelsea and obviously the rest history. But this is probably the best form of his career, really, for Liverpool. And from that aspect, it's a bit disappointing because what it then does is, with losing him from the team, it then means the onus has to go on one of the others that I'm saying there. They have to step up to the plate and sort of like replicate his performances over the last three months. Um, but no doubt about it, it is a blow because he is the captain at the end of the day and he's a very good professional, a model professional as well. So, you know, like I said, we're just going to have to deal with it. And all teams get injuries, don't they? And it's never nice when a player, certainly when a player's in form and he gets injured, but this is why I'm likening it to the Fabinho situation because the way I said there, I think Henderson was quite poor from August to October, November time. I Fabinho was absolutely brilliant from August to November time, wasn't he? So if he can sort of, he's had a couple of games now under his belt. He's looked a bit rusty, certainly against Shrewsbury in the FA Cup, the first game. He was terrible in that game. But slowly but surely, he's getting his, his mojo back and he's getting back to the player that we had at the start of the season. So, you know, hopefully in Jordan Henderson's absence now, Fabinho certainly one that'll step up. But we're obviously going to need others too as well. Okay, spot on. Cheers, Jay. And uh, just before we move on to the to the West Ham fixture, and we have a little talk. Summer's coming, Washington D.C., and so are pesky mosquitoes. Don't let mosquitoes ruin your backyard fun. Call your local True Green experts for True Green Mosquito Defense. This science-based treatment will help control mosquitoes in your yard within 24 hours and keep your family and pets comfortable all season long. Save 50% on your first mosquito service by visiting TrueGreen.com/summer or call eight seven seven six two. Say goodbye to mosquitoes and hello to the perfect outdoor space for summer. Call True Green today. About the about the potential lineups and stuff. I'd just like to ask you about your your thoughts on the comments that was made by uh, Timo Werner after his uh, performance against Tottenham. He, he was asked by the journalist, wasn't he, about potential move to to Liverpool, and he's basically come out and said that. Um, that he, he needs to improve if he wants to be at Liverpool's level, but he's not denied it whatsoever. And um, I know you, you've had your doubts in the past, haven't you, about a potential move for him? But after that interview, have your views changed um, on Vernon? And do you see him as an, uh, an actual uh, target now for the summer? I, t- I, t- I just don't really know, to be honest. It was just a very, very strange interview, wasn't it? I mean, we know all about this, Jan Agafjortoft. I mean, he makes me laugh. I mean, he's linked us with Werner a few times, Jaden <laughs> Sancho a few times, Kai Havertz a few times. I mean, I wish he'd make yeah. his mind up on who we're going to sign. And when you pull him up on it on Twitter, he, he sort of like beats around the bush saying, oh, I just pass in for one what I find. I'm not saying you're going to sign him. And when you try and pin him down and say, well, who are we going to sign out of the three players? He can't give you an answer. So I... I mean, I don't know. It was a strange question to ask him when he plays for another club who's just been in a Champions League game against another club. And yeah, he scored the winning goal. He scored the penalty. Everyone getting giddy on Twitter saying, oh, he's going to be brilliant for us when we sign him. I, I, as I've said on previous podcasts, I'm not a fan of him. I don't think he's all that great. I think he's got pace. I think he's quite dangerous. But I think he misses a lot of chances. And he did again there against Tottenham. I said, didn't I, against Bayern Munich, he missed two or three chances. And I think against Tottenham as well, he missed a couple of chances and yet he scored a penalty. Yeah. So what? Penalty's a penalty at the end of the day, mate, isn't it? And, you know, I, I'm not really too excited about him to say the truth. I 
personally, I've, I've, as I said in the past, I've watched him about 10, 12 times and he's never really stood out to me where I've thought, wow, I'm blown away. I think he's going to be, if we sign, I want Liverpool to sign him. I think he'd be a great signer. Now, look, that's just my own personal opinion. You know, other people might look and think, oh, look at his stats, though. He's been, he scored this amount of goals and he's got this amount of assists and created this, that, and the other chance was. Fine. You know, that's it's all about opinions, isn't it? And he doesn't really excite me one little bit. I, I, I would be a little bit disappointed if he was our big signing in the summer for 50 million. I genuinely would. You know, if Klopp and Edwards won him and Klopp and Edwards paid the money for him, then look, They've earned the trust of me, you, and any fan out there. They can do what they please because if it's good enough for them, then yeah, it's good enough for me. But I still have my own opinion in terms of what I see with my own eyes and what I judge a player on. And yeah. I, I just think he, he looks awkward to me. I just think he looks a bit clumsy. He, he's not, um, like, he doesn't have that little bit of extra quality that I think you need to have to be a Liverpool player. I I, I personally just think Liverpool should bite the bullet and go for Jadon Sancho because I think he's the one. He's going to be a superstar. I think the difference is, yeah, £100 million Sancho or £50 million Werner. And everyone's going on saying, well, look, you know, they'd rather pay 50 for him than 100. Well, I wouldn't because at the end of the day, why, why, why settle for like the lower-valued the lower valued player? For what reason? Do you know what I mean? It's like, in my opinion, Werner could well be a good player for Liverpool. But Sancho could be a superstar. There's no way Tim is going to be a superstar at Liverpool, in my opinion. So I don't see how he gets in Liverpool's team. Whereas with Sancho, he certainly could. Liverpool could switch to a 4-2-3-1 to accommodate mm-hmm. him. And, you know, I know it's not ideal because that means for me, for me position would have to be tailored a little bit. But to me, out of the two, it's a no-brainer to get Sancho. He's four years four years younger. He's got superstar potential. He, he's he's like, you know, some of his stats are incredible as well. He's not too far behind when he hasn't scored as many goals, but he's got loads more assists on him. And he, and like I say, he's four years younger than him. Do you know what I mean? Uh, to me, like with Sancho, it could be classed as an investment in my opinion because he's nineteen, nearly twenty. You say you spent a hundred million on him. You know, he could get 10 good years out of him, average out £10 million a year. And if he does become an unbelievable superstar, the way people are, are building him up to be, and, you know, the way he looks, in my opinion, like all the attributes that he's got. I mean, I, you know, we, we like to think we're the biggest club in the world at the minute and world champions and what have you, which we are. But let's not be foolish enough to think that if someone like Real Madrid or Barcelona come knocking for your players, it's difficult to keep hold of them, as we've found out time and time again over the years. You know, the likes of like Xabi Alonso, Mac Manaman and Owen up down the years and more modern times with Luis Suarez and even Philip Coutinho like two years ago. And I know it didn't work out for Coutinho, but the facts are they offer you silly amounts of money if they want one of your players. £142 million for Coutinho was insane. Now, I loved Coutinho absolutely brilliant footballer but you know, to get that type of money for him was just insane and he's never justified his price tag and he's never been loved there the way he was loved here at Liverpool because he's been passed from pillar to post and obviously he's ended up at Bayern Munich this season but the point I'm trying to make is if Sancho becomes a superstar at Liverpool 
he might love it here and Klopp might sign an even bigger deal and stay for, for even longer and then he's here for 10 years. Great, fantastic. 100 million, it's being proved worthwhile because it averages out to 10 million a year. Money well spent. But if he becomes an absolute superstar and Klopp moves on and he, he decides when he's 24, 25, ironically the age which Werner's going into now because he's 24 soon, you look at it and you think, well, Real Madrid or Barcelona come calling. You're going to double your money for them, aren't you? The way money's inflated in, in transfer deals nowadays. So I just think Sancho is an absolute no-brainer. And people might argue and say, look, it's, oh, it's easy to say that, but it's £100 million. It's a lot of money. But we've touched on this time and time again. Liverpool, the money should a, be Sorry, Jay, just having a little look there on, on Twitter. And there's been a few uh, retweets there about Jaden Sancho and from, um, I'm not sure the, the original source, but they're saying that Dortmund actually wants around 150 million euros for Sancho. Now, at that price, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure we're not going to be interested in that. That would see us out. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, well, who is going to pay that type of money for or no? Let's be brutally honest about it. I, mm. I can't see any club paying it. The only club that I could genuinely see potentially paying it, and it's basically because they'd be so desperate and they want to try and stay relevant, would be Manchester United. And the only way that would happen as well is if they make it into the Champions League this season. And it's highly unlikely they're going to finish top four, but they could finish fifth. And, and if they finish fifth because of this shitty ban, it could be enough to get them in it. The other way into it is if they win the Europa League. But I just can't see a team managed by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer winning a trophy, can you? So far, out of his depth, it's unbelievable. I mean, I know they yeah. had a good win night against Chelsea, but again, you know, a lot of fortune involved in it. Harry Maguire should have been sent off. There was nothing wrong with Chelsea's equalising goal at the time, which it would have been with Zuma when, um, you know, obviously Aspilicueta was pushed by Fred onto Brandon Williams and it got disallowed. It should have been allowed to stand because the initial or a penalty to Chelsea because Fred actually pushes us Pilaqueta onto Williams. So, you know, we've had this conversation before in the past. Everyone says Liverpool, but it's actually Varchester United, isn't it? Because they've had the most decisions this season. So the irony of all of them years ago under Fergie, where they were getting all the decisions, still getting the yeah. decisions to this day when he's been gone seven years. So... You know, no one can ever say it's Definitely. Liverpool getting all the decisions. It's Man United. So this is what I'm trying to say, though. You, you know, I can never envisage a team like managed by Solskjaer winning a trophy. So they shouldn't really be in the Champions League next season. But if, however, they do manage to somehow get in it, then they could be big dangers to get Sancho. They're probably the only team with more money than sense that would pay that type of figure because the likeliness is they're going to sell Pogba in the summer as well. So that's my thoughts on it. But of course, when it, if it gets to that type of figure, then there's no way Liverpool are going to play ball because it's just too much. The only way around it would be if we included a couple of players in the deal. So it's they, them type of deals are few and far between. They very rarely take off. So you know, on that basis, it's unlikely to happen because of the, the, the transfer price and the, the, the fee. And that's always been the case because... Liverpool have obviously got their price and valuation, what they think he's worth, and Dortmund have got theirs. And if there's no compromise, or the player doesn't, you know, nail his colours to the mast, if you like, and says, "Listen, this is the club that I want to join," come to a compromise between yourselves because that's where I'm going. Unless he mm-hmm. does that, which nowadays footballers 
you see the pound signs, don't they? And whoever pays the most money in it. So you just have to see. <coughs> okay, cheers, Jay. Right then, on to the to the West Ham fixture now, which is coming up this uh, this Monday evening at Anfield. So first of all, just just give us your thoughts on a, a predicted lineup now that Henderson's out, and then your your thoughts on um, on West Ham and what sort of threat they're going to be posing us after resting quite a few players that they did against uh, Manchester City in midweek. Yeah, there's probably clout, isn't he, to say there might be a few changes, really. But uh, as I say, I mean, Henderson's going to miss the game anyway, isn't he? I think with Oxlade-Chamberlain, he, he seemed to get a knock as well, didn't he, Jordan, that game? So I think the midfield trio may well be Cater might get a start in this game with Wijnaldum and also Fabinho. And then it's going to be the same front three, isn't it? Because Sadio Mane only played... A short period of time against Norwich, didn't he come off the bench to score the winner? Then he only played a half against the Athletic Madrid because he got subbed at half time purely because Klopp was fearful yeah. that he may well have been sent off. So Mane will definitely start, Salah start, and obviously Firmino will start. So it's the defence then, isn't it? And and as you said before, Trent Alexander Arnold was very poor in midweek against Athletic Madrid. He was also quite poor against Norwich as well, so he hasn't really returned from the international break very well, but we all know he's important to this team because he adds the width and the creativity and the delivery, doesn't he? So he's got 10 assists this season, which is incredible, really, for a right-back, isn't it? It's generational talent, really, when you analyse the stats he's got there. I mean, I think Kevin De Bruyne has got 17 assists now, which is frightening, really, but when you consider St. Alexander-Arnold's like second on the list, you know, a young kid from Liverpool playing right back and he's got like that many assists it shows his importance to the team and then obviously Andy Robertson at left back so I don't think there'll be that many changes other than the fact that Henderson has to come out and really because maybe Oxlade-Chamberlain's got a little bit of a knock as well from the midweek game maybe it's uh, Naby Keita time and hopefully he can stay fit and doesn't get injured in training or the warm-up or whatever it is, because he's like made a prong crack as any. But, you know, I think it may be time to shine now for Naby Keita for the next month or so. Yeah, potential for him to, to come into the starting lineup and um, and take that place from, from Henderson and Fabinho dropping into the sixth with Ronaldum at the side of Keita as well. So... Just give us your thoughts before we go, Jay, on a on a scoreline, uh, your predictions for them and your your reasons for them, please. Well, yeah, um, I think now we we've got over the two game rustiness, and that's what I normally seem to look at every time there's an international break or we have some sort of break anyway. And obviously now this is a mid season break. It normally takes us two or three games to get back to the levels that we know are capable of and get the fluidity back the cohesion the, you know the momentum building um so this is the third game now and West Ham are coming on a, on a Monday night to Anfield under the lights and they're a very poor side and you know they, they very well could go down this season West Ham I mean they've got some really difficult fixtures they lost to Manchester City in midweek and it was only 2-0 but it could have been 5 or 6 apparently um and it was just a rear guard action. They just, you know, backs to the wall, just defended for their lives. And I just think this it's going to be a similar set of circumstances against Liverpool, isn't it? We had a little taster of it not so long ago, didn't we? Where we played them in January as well recently. And 
you know, we won 2-0, could have been 4 or 5, really, when you analyse the game, because he did just defend for their lives, didn't he? And I know they had a few little openings themselves, actually, but Liverpool were just, you know, we, we had to be patient on the night. Got the first, got the second, and should really add a few more, I think. Um, right in saying, didn't sell it at the post as well in that game. So I just think Liverpool might be smarting a little bit from the defeat against that Let's Call Madrid. And as I said at the start of the podcast, we're not used to losing games of football, are we? So neither are the players. So it's a case of they're going to be wanting to right the wrongs, aren't they, really? And I just think they're so focused on winning this Premier League title that by the time we play on Monday, Man City could be, you know, 19 points behind us. You know, ooh, we're all a bit wary now, aren't we? Because they're closing the gap. But now, seriously, though, 19 points is still 19 points, but I think they'll want to maintain that gap again and make it back to 22 won't they, on Monday night so I am looking at this for this game where not only should it be I mean all that matters is we get the three points but I think this could be a game where Liverpool turn it on and give them a hide and, I mean we all know about David Moyes stale negative manager not really evolved with the game of football he was a decent manager 10 years ago he's a horrendous manager now and you know, hopefully, I mean, I don't mind West Ham too much as a club, but with him being in charge, it would be quite amusing, really, if they got relegated. Um, and I just think Liverpool are going to put another nail in their coffin on Monday night. And I think, you know, I can see a hiding, to be honest, Peter. And I've, I, I'm, I can be quite cautious sometimes with my predictions. Um, you know, my favourite prediction that I do on, on, on the Radio City talk show is normally 2-1. Me and Steve Odders all have a bit of a laugh over it because it's it's my favourite scoreline, my favourite prediction that I go for. But in, in this particular game against West Ham, I'm going to be very bold and I think Liverpool will give them a hide and I'm going to go for a 5-0 Liverpool win. Wow, yeah, 5-0 prediction for Jay there, totally um, against his usual uh, predictions. I'm saying he's he's always cautious and, and stuff like that, but to, to go for a 5-0 uh, victory is, is like Jay says, it is very bold and yeah, one that I'm hoping um, comes true. But my own thoughts on it, um, similar to Jay, we have struggled in the in the the previous couple of games after the the winter break that we had. Um, I think the loss of Henderson might sort of let the shackles off the midfield a little bit with Fabinho sitting in and catering when I'm trying to get more forward and. With that creativity from from Naby Keita in the midfield, I think we could pose a, a lot more of a, a threat going forward. So, with bearing that in mind, um, my scoreline prediction: I'm going to go for a for a three nil victory for Liverpool in this game. Like Jay says, West Ham they're, they're not going to come. They're not going to try and attack Liverpool by by any stretch because they know that we can. We've got the pace to pick them off. So they're going to sit back. They're going to invite all the pressure. We're going to have, I don't know, 65, 75% of the possession on them on Monday evening. And it's up to us to, to turn that possession into um, into goals. And then I'm sure we will. Do, uh, we'll probably end up having 15, 20 chances, um, if not uh, more than that. So I'm going to go with a with a three 0 victory for Liverpool in this game, and um, another another three points on the on the road to this uh, Premier League title come May. So just before we go, I have to say a big thanks 
to the LFC Day Trippers for putting out all our podcasts. Thanks to Gav, Phil and all the guys over there for, for having us on board and putting out all our, our, pod, our podcasts sorry, and editing them. Uh, big thanks to the at Liverpool. Big thanks to the at Liverpool online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram pages for putting out all our, our podcasts on their platforms. Don't forget to keep up to date with the No More Knives campaign. Lots of good work in the in the Liverpool area, um, doing lots of things to to towards the um, towards the knife crime and and trying to trying to get rid of that in the in the Merseyside area. So yeah, keep up to date with Paul and and everything that's going on there. You can follow him on Facebook, follow him on Twitter, and the hashtag is the No More Knives campaign. So that's uh, the Liverpool versus West Ham preview podcast all done thanks again for your for your time there jay no problem mate hopefully it will be a goal fest on monday evening and we will win comfortably and go marching on towards this premier league title yeah spot on and then uh, we shall be back with our our next premier league game podcast later on um next week so thanks everybody for for listening don't forget leave your feedback if you want to put any anything on there to to jay myself at the cop table always uh always welcoming the feedback uh, from yourselves who, who are listening and and any questions you have we're, we're always there to to answer so yep thanks again uh, everybody for listening uh, that's the Liverpool versus west ham preview all done and uh, speak to you all very soon goodbye so let's say you're into yoga or pilates Or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.